The Carolina Panthers are back in the market for a new head coach and looking at early reports is Panthers owner David Tepper set to make the same mistake again. We'll talk about it on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked on Panthers. You are locked on Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Wednesdays, like today, for the rest of the regular season, I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions. And if you did not get a question for this week's show, make sure to at me or DM me to get a question in for next week's show following the Carolina Panthers game on Sunday against New Orleans Saints. So again, either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council. Participate in the weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. And let's go ahead and get into it. The Panthers are going to head down to New Orleans for the final game of a three-game road stand. First off, starting in Tennessee, then in Tampa, and finally down there in New Orleans. So let's get into it. Jake has the first question uh, for today's mailbag saying, Is it just me, or does David Tepper's hyper-focus on getting an offensive coach concern you? We just saw an all-star, in quotes, offensive coaching staff average 16 points per game through 12 games. So I think we need to start from the bottom and just focus on building an identity. He said he also does like the idea of Ben Johnson, but Kellen Moore being the next name thrown around seriously scares him. Yeah, so let's look back at last year. Uh, And really, it's not even last year, earlier this year when the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper was looking for a new head coach. And I appreciate the first time around, David Tepper only really talked to Eric Biennemi. He also was interested in Josh McDaniels for a period of time, but then it really ended once he was in love with Matt Rule. So it wasn't like David Tepper had the most... uh, expansive coaching search the first time around. So I did appreciate that he was interested in more candidates, that he had a wider net. But still, when you looked at the people he was talking to, it was very clear that David Tepper had a type. Looking back at NFL.com to see the candidates, this was a list of candidates. He talked to, at least he requested to talk to 12 different candidates when he was finding a head coach before hiring Frank Reich. Now, the first one was Jim Caldwell former Lions and Colts head coach who's here now in Carolina as a a senior offensive assistant who's taking a more, I guess, hands-on role. Now that Frank Reich is gone, he did complete that interview. Ken Dorsey, uh, former Panthers uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach back when Cam Newton was here. He is the Bills OC. At least he was the Bills OC at the time. He's since been fired. Joe Brady, our old friend, is up there in Buffalo now as the OC. He completed an interview, of course, did not get the job. Gerald Vero, who was a 
Broncos defensive coordinator at the time, um, was hired on as the DC here in Carolina and has done a really good job. Ben Johnson was requested. He was the Vegas favorite, but he never interviewed for the job, decided to stay in Detroit with the Lions, which turned out to be a great decision. And he's among the top candidates for this job and many jobs are going to be available here once the NFL hiring process really gets underway next month in January. Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator, he completed an interview with Carolina, and that has not gone great for the Giants so far this season. Gerard Mayo. The Patriots linebacker coach, former player, uh, he was also requested, but he did not fulfill an interview here in Carolina. Uh, Kellen Moore, Cowboys offense coordinator at the time, now the Chargers offense coordinator. He completed an interview, actually got a second interview, uh, was a finalist for this job. Sean Payton, former Saints coach, he interviewed, but he ended up with the Broncos. Uh, Frank Reich, former head coach, co- uh, Colts head coach, of course, became the head coach here in Carolina. D'Amico Ryans, the 49ers defensive coordinator, uh, never interviewed. They couldn't get the schedules right, but also D'Amico looked at the list of offensive guys and pretty much knew that, okay, all David Tepper is trying to do was check a box. Same reason why Gerard Mayo was not interested in coming down here to interview. And then Shane Steichen, the Eagles offense coordinator, now the head coach in Indianapolis, also completed an interview. And he also appeared to be uh, someone who was a favorite. And Steve Wilkes, as we know, the Panthers interim head coach, interviewed here, did not get the job. Now is in San Francisco with the 49ers as their DC. So nine of the 12 coaches that David Sepper either interviewed or requested to speak to were offensive coaches. So clearly he had a type and that's what he wanted. And I remember I told y'all and I talked to somebody uh, who would know all this and asked him, how in the world is Ben Johnson uh, the favorite to get this job when he hasn't even interviewed? And he told me, you know why, because that's what David Tepper wants. He wants an offensive coach and he landed with an offensive coach. So, so far when we looked at some of the reports that have come out very early and really as soon as the report, as Frank Reich was fired Immediately, people were saying, oh, he's going to go after Ben Johnson again. He's going to want to get an offensive coach. The reporting from Diana Rossini and from Adam Schefter over the weekend was that Ben Johnson, Brian Johnson, the Eagles offensive coordinators, those are the top names on the list. That Bobby Slowick down there in Houston would make a lot of sense. So David Tepper is laser-focused on getting an offensive coach again. And it makes sense. You have a young quarterback who has not developed the way that you would have hoped under the previous coaching staff that had an offensive background. And that's kind of been the trend in the league. You look at a lot of the coaches around that have had success, like Zach Taylor there in Cincinnati. Uh, of course, you look at what Shane Steichen's done so far in Indianapolis, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. They're all younger, offensive-minded head coaches. That has been the, tree, the trend in the league, and it's a copycat league. Now, David Tepper didn't do that last time because he looked at the lack of experience he had with Matt Rule and that coaching staff, and he wanted to just go a complete 180 by getting an experienced head coach in Frank Reich and his staff offensively that had a ton of NFL experience. But as you mentioned, Jake, it did not work out. So I'm not saying that David Tepper now needs to go defensive staff or that he has to have a young offensive coach. I just don't think that he needs to just be so myopic when it comes to what he wants out of a coach. You need to find someone who can lead, find someone who can be able to have a good eye when it comes to evaluating talent because you would imagine the head coach is going to have to have a role in that moving forward. And it's coaching staff. They did not do a good job of the talent that they brought in with Scott Fitter and the front office this offseason. A lot of the guys they want they wanted here that they brought here have really missed. The vast majority have been misses, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I just don't think that David Tepper should just be set on, I have to have a young offensive coach. I know that's the way the league is trending, but I, I've mentioned this multiple times now. 
Look at D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans, defensive guy. Brought in an offensive coach and Bobby Slovak, who's done a great job with the offense, and of course, CJ Stroud. I also think they probably did a pretty good job in the evaluation of the roster and what they brought in. Tank Dell, who's out for the season now for the Texans, was an excellent draft choice. Probably been a better player. Not even probably, definitely been a better player so far than what Jonathan Mingo's been for the Carolina Panthers, and he was on the board. So it's not just who you hire as a coach, but also just how you go about your process and evaluating players, scouting players. And that will bring us really the conversation that Joe Manager will get into a little bit later here on the show I just don't want David Tepper I'm not necessarily saying he's gonna make the same mistake by going offense I just want him to understand that it's not just about okay does he call plays is he an offensive coach find the right leader the right personality for this organization so don't be overly caught up in I have to have this just make sure you get the right guy because he didn't get the right guy the last time and the hope is of course he'll get the right guy this time around now will Jim Harbaugh be the right guy for the Carolina Panthers JW uh, Marriott is asking is the Jim Harbaugh hype real since they contacted Tepper last time and was turned down I have not seen anyone uh come out and say that Jim Harbaugh is interested in the Carolina job again this time around I would imagine maybe he would still be interested in that job. We'll see how things play out uh, with Michigan as they prepare for the Rose Bowl against Alabama on New Year's Day. And if the Wolverines are able to win that game, go to the national championship game, potentially win that, does he then ride off into the sunset down to Carolina after getting a national championship to Michigan? Or does he want to stay at Michigan? Is David Tepper interested in Jim Harbaugh? You would think that this time around, David Tepper would be willing to listen. I I think it would be an interesting pairing, just knowing all the reports about how Jim Harbaugh is someone who wears on individuals and it's unlikely to be a lasting marriage. It's not going to be 20 to 30 years based off of really Harbaugh's age, but also... Can Harbaugh put up a Tepper? Can Tepper put up a Harbaugh? Harbaugh's going to be someone, too, who's likely going to come in and want a lot of personnel control, if not sole personnel control. And David Tepper said he would never have that relationship again, or at least he probably would not like to do that after what happened with Matt Rule. Now, Jim Harbaugh's had far more success, of course, and experience in the NFL than Matt Rule had, but is that something that he would want to do? I don't know if the hype is real, but I do think that's something that David Tepper should at least entertain this time around. I'm not saying you should hire Jim Harbaugh. If he does, I believe the Panthers will have success. But I also believe it will probably be over in four or five years and it'll be in the market for another red coach. But that's kind of the reality of head coaches anyways, that likely we're here another three to four years talking about a new head coach and what David Tepper can do right the second time around. All right. Let's take a quick pause. I'll come back here and answer more of your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions here on Locked On Panthers. Looking for a meaningful gift this holiday season that your loved ones will actually use and enjoy? Who's the hard to gift person in your life? Is it your spouse, your best friend, sister, mom, dad, grandma, your daughter, or son? The most personal and thoughtful gift is the Skylight digital picture frame. Skylight is a touchscreen photo frame you can send photos to straight from your phone and they appear in seconds. You can even preload photos before the box is open. So when it's unwrapped and plugged in, your most treasured moments will appear instantly as a special limited time offer for my listeners get $15 off your purchase of a skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash locked on again to get $15 off your purchase of a skylight frame just go to skylightframe.com slash locked on that's s-k-y-l-i-g-h-t-f-r-a-m-e.com slash locked on 
Let's get back into it. The weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Now over to Casey, who simply asked, who kidnapped Jeremy Chin? Well, that's a great question, Casey. And I I talked about this briefly on the show yesterday when looking back at the Panthers' loss to the Buccaneers on Sunday afternoon. Jeremy Chin, he was finally active uh, to the act. He was elevated to the active roster after um, being uh, in transition from IR the last couple of weeks, having that hamstring injury that kept him out for six games. He came back and played only seven defensive snaps on Sunday, but 22 snaps on special teams. Looking at his snap count so far this season over at ProFootballReference.com, Jeremy Chin has played a career-low 47% of the snaps available to him on defense and a career-high 36% of the special team snaps available to him this season. In the past three years, when Jeremy Chin was a full-time starter at linebacker as a rookie, then at safety the last two seasons, he played 97% of snaps available to him as a rookie, 99%. In his second year, last year, 91%. He did miss a couple of games uh, due to injury. And then last year, he only played in 10% of the special team snaps that were available to him. His first two years, he played about 20 25%, but 36% is, again, a career high. And it's interesting to me that Jeremy Chin, someone who the Panthers talked about heading into the season, was going to benefit from the addition of Von Bell, that he would play closer to the line of scrimmage and more of a playmaking role. That has not been the case at all. And you look at where his snap count has gone, and this was discussion early on in the season, like after Shaq Thompson went down, I remember Darren Gant, Panthers.com had mentioned that a lot of packages that Shaq Thompson was supposed to be out there for, that Jeremy Chin was also supposed to be out there for as well, and maybe that played a role in him not playing as much against the Saints in Week 2. But we saw moving forward that his playing time fluctuated. I can understand, and this is what Bill Belichick's done a long time in New England. Like some weeks, a guy would be a big part of the game plan. Then the next week, you'd be saying, hey, you just don't fit what we want to do. I just don't feel like that would be the case here in Carolina that Jeremy Chin, a player that we were sold, was going to really benefit from a Gerald Averro's scheme and what they wanted to do. And the addition of Von Bell would be to reduce to practically a core special teamer once he came back from injury. And you compare this to J.C. Horn, who played 56% of the defensive snaps on Sunday, then was held out for the majority of the second half because he was on a snap count um, or a pitch count or whatever. Like, Horn was still out there starting. He was playing as a first-team player where that was not the case with Jeremy Chin. So I am wondering what the future holds for him as he's going to be a free agent uh, upcoming here in March. And there has never been any discussions and reports of Jeremy Chin having contract negotiations with the Carolina Panthers and whether it's Scott Bitter or a new general manager. I don't know if he has a future here in Carolina, which is unfortunate because we saw his rookie year had he been drafted in the top 10, like Chase Young, he probably wins the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. But because Chase Young lived up to the defensive hype and being a number two pick, and because he was good, he he won the award. But Jeremy Chen was an excellent player for the Carolina Panthers, especially in that 2020 season where, like the past couple seasons uh, we've faced after that and even before that, he was one of the lone bright spots, especially for a young defense, and he felt like someone the Panthers were going to be able to build around, and especially in the community where he was doing the Carolina Legends thing where he'd wear a uniform from somebody who either played uh, in the Carolinas or went to school in the Carolinas or wherever it was from here and just was donating those those uh, jerseys off, off, off of auction. 
it was cool to see him embrace the community and be a fantastic player for the Panthers. So it's been odd to see that he has just been reduced to pretty much, of course, special teamer and a backup uh, this season in Carolina. Uh, maybe with a new defensive coordinator next year, that chin will come back. Uh, but he's probably going to be interested in trying to find uh, another team that really wants to utilize him. And he doesn't want to take the risk of not being uh, utilizing the scheme uh, with whoever comes here next year. So we'll see how that plays out. But that has been really interesting to watch this season. Jeremy Chin not being uh, one of the core players on Panthers defense, uh, even when healthy. Uh, over to Connor, he asks, um, if Fit is fired, which he should be, those are Connor's words, and a new general manager wants to tag and trade Burns, what draft capital could you see us getting for Brian Burns come draft season? Yeah, that's interesting. That might be something you have to do draft night. Maybe a team is just not able to get an edge rusher that they really liked, and they decide, okay, we're willing to give you decent compensation. Now, the concern, I guess, about doing that, too, is... All right, Burns is on the he's on a franchise tag, and a team would then have to figure out whether they can sign him to a long term deal. And that was the problem back at trade deadline. Burns's highest value was a year ago when the Rams reportedly offered two first round picks, one of which would have been this year, and a third round pick. The conversation is never going to be that again. I don't even think the conversation will be a first round pick because there's just not the guarantee that a team will be able to keep. Brian Burns around long-term. Now, Brian Burns has not had the greatest season this year. Uh, we talked about that on the show yesterday. Him losing is cool. I'm not all that concerned about that. It happens. It's been a frustrating season. It's really been a frustrating a tenure here in Carolina as he's never won. And I can only imagine uh, what that feels like to go to work every week and to get your ass kicked every Sunday. It, it has to be frustrating, of course. My concern with Brian Burns has been there's been three games this season where he has only had one tackle. His best se- best game of the season was week one against Atlanta, where he had seven tackles, five solo, and two sacks, including a strip sack on his like first play of the game uh, on defense. So that's been the mo- biggest concern to me. If the new general manager decides that he wants to come in, he wants to strip things down, and wants to trade Brian Burns, if he can get a second-round pick, uh, maybe like a second and a third, that would be great. I just have a hard time believing that the Panthers are going to get the kind of compensation that, of course, they would have got last year uh, and really what they would want, which is probably a first-round pick for Brian Burns because teams just won't have the certainty that Burns will stick around and be there and that they can actually come to terms with him. I would imagine that the Panthers will allow teams to uh, talk to Brian Burns, and I know people were saying that they should do um, the non-exclusive franchise tag, which would mean a team that was able to agree to a terms of Brian Burns and the Panthers don't match, the Panthers get two first-round picks. No one's going to do that. That that just wouldn't make any sense at all uh, for a team to give up that kind of conversation with Brian Burns based off of the season so far. So we'll see how it works out. I, I'm i curious to see. I think hopefully a second-round pick, maybe get a second, a third, second, and a fourth. That will be something to monitor as we head into the offseason. All right, let's take another quick pause here on the show and come back and answer the rest of your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions right here on Locked On Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can pick LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made. 
plus receptions. Price picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And guys, it is a great time. To get in on the action at FanDuel, if you've been thinking about joining, go ahead and do it right now. Got the NBA in-season tournament wrapping up soon. We know the college football bowl season is right around the corner. You have men's and women's college basketball going on. So much going on, of course, in the NFL. We're going to find out who's going to be in the playoffs here uh, very shortly. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kit into the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, a few more questions here on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Panthers. Going over now to Fred, who's already looking ahead to the draft, and why not? The Carolina Panthers, of course, did not have a first-round pick, and Fred basically went on to say before getting to his question, let's just forget about the negativity of not having a first-round pick. Let's focus on the Carolina Panthers having the first pick in the second round, we've been told in the past by the current general manager, who may not be the general manager once the draft comes along, and I think a lot of people uh, believe that should be the case, and I won't really argue against them uh, when it comes to Scott Fitter and his job status and future here in Carolina. But let's look at the positive and understand that the Carolina Panthers could be drafting there at 33rd. And Fitter has said in the past that like 20 through 45 really could be the meat of a draft. So the Panthers can get an impact player there early in the second round, fingers crossed. We've seen that has not been really the case with Terrace Marshall, Jonathan Mingo, more on him later. That's kind of come around here recently. But Fred asks, with this being a deep class of receivers, do you think Carolina should take the best wide receiver available or take an interior lineman to protect Bryce Young and hopefully remedy some of those blocking issues? Well, with the latter, it's going to be difficult um, to just flat out rebuild this offense line they've done that the last couple of off seasons they invested uh in Ike Kwanu with that first round pick back in 2022 they went out there and they drafted Brady Christensen in 2021 he's been a starter uh last year and when he was healthy for week one this season they went out and they brought in Bradley Bozeman in free agency then re-signed him to invest in him they went out and got Austin Corbett in free agency and when healthy, he's also a starter here in Carolina. And of course, they invested heavily in Taylor Moten and they've gone out and also drafted guys like Chandler Zavala and Cade Mays. And they found seems to be maybe somebody who could be a starter down the road in Nash Jensen, who started uh, on Sunday, the UDFA out of North Dakota State. So they have absolutely invested in the offensive line. And I don't know if it's as simple as, OK, they got to draft another one because I just mentioned they drafted Christensen in 21. Deontay Brown was also drafted uh, in that draft. In 22, they went out there and they got Kate Mays and Ike Iquanu. They just drafted Chandler Zavala. Like every year, they're drafting offensive linemen. And every year, they're going out in free agency and they're getting offensive linemen. So it's not like the Carolina Panthers aren't trying to build a good offensive line. I think this year... It's just been a perfect storm of regression from guys like Icky 
And the fact that you've had six different left guards, seven different right guards, or maybe vice versa with the numbers there, but it's been a ton of dudes, by my count, 10 different guard combinations uh, this season. And that's not going to help uh, Bradley Bozeman. With a position group that's so reliant on continuity, the Panthers haven't had it. And when they did not have continuity, continuity back in 21, they also had a really bad offensive line. I don't know if that's enough of an excuse because of the injuries. For some of the other players out there, it's probably a more of an excuse for Bradley Bozeman more than anyone else. Uh, maybe it is for Icky as well because he's been with another rookie in Chandler Zavala. And he's had some other guys at the fill in there at left guard. I don't know, but I don't think that offensive line needs to be the target there at the beginning of the draft for the Carolina Panthers with the first pick, seemingly there, uh, in the second round. Um, as far as receivers, and this is what's it's hard to say right now because we need to see how free agency plays out. I still have my eyes on a guy like T. Higgins. It's possible the Panthers could do kind of a, a trade like that for somebody where they can find a way because I, I just look at – the Bengals, I just don't see how they let T. Higgins leave for nothing. They have to tag him, then trade him, if anything. But it's possible the Panthers can find a way to sign him, maybe in free agency, if the Bengals decide that that's not what they want to do. We'll see. But I think the receiver market might be a little bit better this year. And free agency just wasn't a great class last year. So you really need to see how the free agency market works out before you really dive into the draft. But yeah, I think you would like to get a wide receiver. That's probably the top option right now um, another edge rusher especially if you decide that Brian Burns is going to leave that would be something the Carolina Panthers need to do um, running back maybe I, I don't know if that's a top choice best player available because Fred also mentioned um, in his note to me that the Panthers don't have a ton of roster talent so can they really sit here and be like oh we have to get a wide receiver at this position we gotta get an offensive lineman at that spot or should it just be best player available only time will tell. We've got to see how free agency plays out before we can really say what the draft needs are. But right now, looking at it, you would think wide receiver would be the chop choice for the Carolina Panthers, um, depending upon how things play out in free agency in March. Uh, over to Kurt, who talks about John Mingo here, saying, is there anything positive we can take out of Mingo being second on the team in targets, receptions, yards, and yards per catch? Or because the passing game is so bad, it makes it all irrelevant? Well, it definitely is not irrelevant. John Mingo is a first-year player drafted there in a second round who in the past two weeks has had back-to-back weeks of 60 um, plus receiving yards in a game that is a positive he played four more snaps on Sunday than DJ Chark who was supposed to be wide receiver two here in Carolina and be that deep ball threat that has not been the case for the Panthers and that's unfortunate but Mingo maybe he's starting to come along maybe he's starting to figure things out still five more games left to go him working with Bryce Young is important Bryce needs to have some receiver other than Adam Thielen, and we're looking at the targets, as you mentioned there, Kurt, the other guy that he's really leaning on has been his fellow rookie, Jonathan Mingo. I think it's a positive. I have been critical of Mingo, didn't necessarily love the pick, looking at the production, or lack thereof, back in college, and then early on, and even the last couple weeks as he has put up better numbers, I still feel like he's left some receptions out there and has not helped out Bryce to his best ability. You could say maybe Bryce Young hasn't helped him out as well. Okay, fine. I'm willing to listen to that, and that's probably a valid point. But yeah, it's good to see. That's what you want to see, development. That has not been the case for this Panthers offense so far this season. So any sort of development at all, especially out of a skill position player like Jonathan Mingo, absolutely does a positive. It's not irrelevant at all. Um, but the Panthers' offense as a whole, yes, is irrelevant. 
All right, final question comes from Kevin, and I, I love this one. He said, did the Panthers cover this week? Maybe that's what Chris Tabor meant when he said it was not the same old movie. Well, it wasn't the same old movie in the fact that the Panthers were competitive. Like They got down by 11, they came back, they played hard, that they had some balance on offense as far as the run and pass, and they ran the ball way more, well, a couple more times than they did uh, than pass the football. I understand where he's coming from. My frustration, of course, was a third down and fourth down call. And really, it's the fact that they just didn't run the ball on either one of them. If you throw it on third down and don't get it, then okay, fine. Run the ball on fourth down. If you run the ball on third down, don't get it. Okay, fine. Throw it on fourth down. Just to do it on both of those downs, that's my frustration. But yes, Kevin, for the second time this season, the Carolina Panthers did cover the spread. Looking over at FanDuel, the spread was plus three and a half for the Carolina Panthers. They lost by three points. So there you go. The Carolina Panthers, they covered for the second time all season long. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I'll be back again with you next Wednesday, answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me over on Twitter to get those questions into me right now. But first, of course, go ahead and follow me there over on Twitter, at Julian Council. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll talk to you all on Thursday as we talk to Ross Jackson of a Locked On Saints for a Locked On NFL crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. 